You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Hello, and welcome to the CLE Foodcast. Today's guest is Chef Eric Wells. He was the first African-American graduate of the International Culinary Arts and Sciences Institute in 2004. And ever since finding his passion in the kitchen, he's been one busy guy sharing his gifts with others, feeding, teaching, and uplifting. But first, a sponsor message from Yellow House Cheese. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely interested in local food, just like me. For us, farm to table isn't a buzzy, trendy phrase. It's how we live. You can shop an easy and convenient list of food from Ohio Farms and pick your order up close to your home. Yellow House Cheese, the award-winning cheesemakers of Seville, Ohio, have developed a quick and easy online shopping portal with everything from meat to mushrooms and eggs to greens. The list changes with the seasons, just like nature intended. I just picked up my order at Larder. I got cheese, chicken, shiitake mushrooms, lettuce, and eggs. There are five pickup locations in Cleveland, Akron, and Medina. Order only what you want in quantities that make sense for your household, and everything is from Ohio Family Farms. Visit yellowhousecheese.com to get started with your order. New items every Tuesday and deliveries on Saturday. That's yellowhousecheese.com for Ohio farm food direct to you. And now, back to today's podcast. I know you will love hearing from Chef Wells. Simply put, he's one of the good guys. Our community is better and more connected because of his contributions. Chef Wells operates Sky LaRay's Culinary Services, where he is known for his wildly popular custom in-home dinners for two and teaching cooking classes. He's also teamed up with Edwin's for a five-course Juneteenth celebration on June 19th, and we'll be hearing about his plans for that and also why his business is named Sky LaRay's. So let's get to it. I am so pleased to be speaking with Chef Eric Wells, whom I have come to realize is one of Cleveland's most engaged and versatile culinary professionals. So Eric, welcome to the CLE Foodcast. I'm so glad you could fit me in. Hey, Lisa, how's it going today? Well, it is a beautiful day here in Cleveland, a hot week, and I think summer is officially here. So I'm in a great mood. How about you? I'm in a great mood also. It's, it's wonderful here in the city and uh, looking forward to an, an amazing summer. Things are really starting to open up and it's really exciting to see things feeling back to normal, would you say? Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's good to no longer wear a mask while I'm out and about and um, you know, being fully vaccinated and everything. So hopefully things come go back to normal. I agree. Well, before we start talking about your community work and the upcoming Juneteenth event, I just wanted to address, you are just a few days back from a trip to Cartagena, Colombia. So tell me, how was that trip? Uh, the trip was amazing. Uh, my wife and I went to celebrate our 24th anniversary. Uh, we did a couple of food tours, got a chance to meet some of the locals, uh, took a cooking class there also. Um, so when we travel, we do try to base our travels around food and culture. So it was amazing. Uh, it's a great country, great city, Cartagena, very diverse. And we learned a lot there. I think I saw a, at least a baking class uh, as well. Did you um, did you come away from that trip knowing uh, how to prepare some food that maybe you didn't know before? Yes, definitely. So we did. We baked a cake um, there. 
uh, a cake that didn't have flour. We used yucca in it to ah. kind of bind it, and it was it was really good. Um, we also made a couple of other dishes, um, and I, I learned a couple of uh, tips and tricks that I really didn't know much about. You know, here in Cleveland, we don't have access to the the foods that they have down there, but um, learn some things, and definitely will be using those things um, in my future endeavors. <laughs> You really do a lot of themed dinners with terrific menus. So is there maybe a Colombian uh, menu in our future? Maybe, maybe. So I, <laughs> one thing I do is I teach cooking classes. And one of the classes I have is a Caribbean class uh, with Cartagena being right on the Caribbean coast. I think I'm going to switch up a couple of my menus and add some uh, Colombian dishes there also. Uh, but yeah, it, it, the food was amazing and, uh, and again, had a great time. What are the hallmarks of Colombian cooking? What are the ingredients, some of the ingredients that are plentiful that you uh, saw or cooked with while you well, were there? Well, there was a lot of fish, a lot of different kind of fish. Um, you know, the big thing, and I don't know where this started, but uh, the big thing is, you know, that tilapia, for example, is not a real fish. It's a manufactured fish. fish. I saw the real tilapia they were pulling from the Caribbean Sea. So, um, yes, it's a real fish. Uh, so they had several different kinds of fish. In our cooking class, we did a red snapper that was just mm. caught the, the day before. So the freshness was amazing. A lot of seafood, as I mentioned, a lot of great fruits, fruits that I've never um, heard of. Don't ask me what the names of them were. But we tasted them and they were really good. Tomatoes are big down there. And um, tomatoes are really, really big in a lot of different dishes. And just how some chefs in some um, parts of the world use sofrito, which, you know, usually is just a blend of sauteed down vegetables. They use tomatoes in their sofrito, which is really good. And again, has some of the best food. We've traveled a ton. Um, This was probably one of our best food vacations that we've been on. Oh, well, it looked delicious from what I was able to follow along on your on your Facebook page. Well, welcome back. I know you flew back, went right back into your event work uh, because you are like one of the hardest working chefs in Cleveland. I mean that seriously. (laughs) So, you know, I always do research about my guests and, you know, I've definitely seen you around. I pay attention to what you do. And, um, but I don't know much about Sky Larrays. And one of the things, you know, I want to ask you this, why did you name it Sky Larray? So Sky Larray is actually one of my daughter's names. We have four children, um, three girls, one boy, and Sky Larray is one of the four. She's not the first, she's not the last. Um, she's right in the middle. <laughs> So I usually get the question, why Skylar Ray? But love the name um, and just name name the business after her. Uh, so Sky is her first name. Larray is her middle name. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a beautiful story. And um, yeah, you're so used to giving that answer that you already had the follow-up <laughs> question ready. Because if my parents named a restaurant after my sister Amy as the firstborn, I would probably be a little <laughs> pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> well, for years, it was an interesting um conversation um, and an interesting dynamic uh, trying to explain why we did it. And honestly, I really didn't have a good answer. So yeah, marketing. It sounds good. It sounds good. No, it's a very memorable, uh, catchy name. Well, last year, as you are well aware, was a really tough year for the culinary industry, especially for people associated with a brick Mm -hmm. and mortar. But your business model is not that So I'm curious to know how last year was for you, given all of the different types of food experiences 
you create uh, in homes and your theme dinners. So tell me about that. What was last year like for well, you? First of all, you know, I felt really bad for a lot of the restaurateurs and chefs in the area that really struggled, had to close uh, doors. And, you know, I reached out to a lot of them and, you know, kind of, you know, gave my thoughts and prayers to them. Um, so I know how difficult it was. For me, it was wonderful. Honestly, it was, uh, we had probably our best year ever. Um, we've been in business 17 years. Uh, last year, from March of last year to March of this year was probably our best year ever um, because people weren't going to restaurants. People didn't feel comfortable going to restaurants. People didn't feel comfortable um, traveling and things like that. So I specialize in doing intimate dinners for two where I go to a couple's home and I do a six course dinner in their home and I bring everything, linen, flowers, candles, food, of course, China, silverware, everything. So couples celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, things like that felt more comfortable with me coming into their home than going on vacation or going to a restaurant. So I was pretty much booked solid from mid-March up until now still. Well, you know, there are a few of those stories out there. And last year showed us a lot of things about uh, the culinary industry, what was stable, what was uh, easy to pivot, the things that just you know, had maybe worn out their welcome and needed to change. But of course, none of us are celebrating or, or happy about any of the, the sad stories. But it did create a lot of reinvention, mm-hmm. which I think probably was needed in some cases. And also, it's I'm really looking forward, actually, to the next 18 months to two years of, of the Cleveland food scene as a result. Some of that movement from last year that, that got stalled People are hung, literally, they're hungry to go out and hang out in their old haunts. And they're also very eager to see some new places. So I think you're a very fortunate person. And I know you and I, I know that you know that you're a fortunate person. So how did the intimate dinner for two thing develop? Well, I went to culinary school, graduated from culinary school, uh, went to um, Loretta Paganini School. Uh, graduated from the International Culinary Arts and Sciences Institute. I was actually the first African-American to graduate from her program and didn't want to do a restaurant thing at the time and honestly prayed on it and was given this vision of doing these dinners for two. So I tried it on some friends and family. Um, <laughs> I took half my kitchen to people's homes to kind of do these. And then to some, uh, at the time I was working at Progressive Insurance too. So I was doing both. So some um, employees at Progressive asked me to do it for them, Uh, did it for a couple of people there, and then the words just start to spread. And it pretty much went from there. So since since 2004, I've done over 1,500 of these in the Cleveland, Akron, Canton, Columbus area. Wow. So you actually, if if someone calls you from out of the Northeast Ohio area, and it makes sense for you, you'll you'll go and do a dinner. Definitely. So I travel as far south as Columbus. Far west is Toledo and far east is the Pennsylvania border. I knew that you did these dinners. And then I went on your website, skylarays.com mm-hmm. and saw the variety of menus. I mean, there's so much to pick from. I was super intrigued. In fact, I started to think like, man, I am missing out. I've got to do this. So, um, and mark my words, I will do it. You bring not only yourself and the food, but you also create a little bit of ambiance. And you, I think I read that you clean up. Yes. So after everything, as I mentioned, I bring the, you know, linens, flowers, candles, everything. Um, The only thing I use at a client's is their stove and their water. And I clean up afterwards. And um, honestly, Lisa, what I do here is, it's more than just a professional chef coming into your home, cooking, throwing the food on the table, cleaning up and leaving. 
I make it an experience. So we're conversing all night. Um, when I went to college, my background was journalism. I was a writer. I was an aspiring writer. So I used oh, wow. those journalism skills to kind of talk with my clients. So I asked them questions about how they met, their dating story, their wedding, their anniversary, their favorite vacations, favorite restaurants in the area. You know, by the end of the evening, we become really good friends because we've talked for two hours and really got to know each other for two hours while I'm cooking for. <laughs> it's kind of like being at the chef's table, but you're in your own house. That's exactly the the term that people use when they kind of describe it. It's like being at a chef's table, but you can take off your shoes or wear pajamas or do whatever you want to do. I'm sure you've seen all kinds of things, I right? Can, I was going to say I can write a book about it, but I've already written a book about it. But yeah. What did you write? I think I yeah, missed yeah, that. Yeah, I currently have a book. I released a book in June of 19. The book is called um, Cooking with Chef Wells, Intimate Dinners for Two. And the book is, um, it's about 60 recipes. All the recipes are, most of the recipes are for two people, just like my dinners for two. But what I did was I had 29 of my favorite couples that I've cooked for share their story in the book. So it's their picture and their story of how they met again, their dating story, their wedding, their anniversaries, and things like that. So it's a variety of couples. Um, and, and the book is doing really, really well. Um, I'm really happy with the book. Oh my gosh, that's uh, that's very cool. And it, remind me again what anniversary this was for you. This was 24 for me. Okay, and in a couple of weeks I have 28. Wow, so um, you know what? And you can't. You got to celebrate. You got to celebrate yeah. those things every year. Uh, and I think last year taught us to really count our blessings and look around us right in our own immediate, you know, environment and, um, and be grateful. And cause we were spending a lot of time with those people and in that environment. Um, that's really neat. I love it. So you actually went out a lot last year doing these dinners yes. and, um, and how did you, I mean, was that just something you wanted to do for business continuity? I mean, did you, did you initially take some time off at the start of the pandemic or did you dive right so in? So that's, that's an interesting question here, Lisa. My, as far as my dinner for two business, it started to kind of slow down a little bit, like late 19, going into 2020. Um, in my business where I was doing cooking classes, um, private cooking classes and things like that was really booming. It was going really, really well. So I was doing a lot of uh, corporate events, corporate corporations were having me do uh, team building exercises with, you know, as a cooking class. So those are going really well. And when the uh, pandemic hit, obviously all of that shut down. Um, and I took a couple of weeks off just kind of meditating, reflecting, praying, seeing where, what I should do and where I should go with this. And then my phone started ringing. <laughs> so my phone started mm. ringing. I started getting emails like, hey, are you still doing these dinners for two? Um, my anniversary is coming up and I can't go to my favorite restaurant or I can't go to the Bahamas or the Caribbean or wherever. And then yeah, just start going from there. So mm -hmm. it was it was more of a, I think, a pivot from my client's point of view than anything that I did on my end. Okay. That's interesting. You know, I think after the initial, you know, let's call it 60 right. days, you know, March, April, May of last year, I think we all started to realize that we did need to find the joy, the celebration, the things that we wanted to mark and commemorate. And people got real creative with it. I really loved seeing, you know, the cottage mm -hmm. bakers, you know, all of a sudden get busy with, 
cake pops and, you know, drive by showers. And I mean, we were resilient people. <laughs> so it took us a while to get jarred right out of that initial, like what is happening? I need to figure out what's happening. And then I need to make meaning out of it. And, um, I think, I think your dinners and your experiences do that beautifully. Chef Wells, I am aware of a dinner that you are working on with Edwin's, uh, one of my favorite restaurants, and I love what they're doing. They're becoming more versatile and doing different kinds of experiences, but you are participating and shaping a dinner around Juneteenth. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? So I, um, I reached out. I had this idea for a little while. I actually wanted to do it last year, you know, but the pandemic hit. Uh, and I was going to do it at a different location. But I read earlier this year that uh, Chef Brandon of Edwin's, obviously he took over the space where Fire was on Shaker Square and he made it Edwin's too. And he's allowing chefs to come in and do pop-ups and things like that. So uh, Chef Brandon and I are, are friends. I reached out to him and asked him, hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this idea or doing this event at Edwin's uh, too for Juneteenth. And would you be interested in hosting it? He was all on board. He was almost on board more than I was. So I went up there. We talked. Uh, we had a nice little meeting, talked about menu pricing, things like that, and put it together. And um, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, it'll be June 19th. We're having two seatings, one at 5.30, one at 8 p.m. And it's a five-course dinner. And I'm really, really excited about sharing my vision uh, from an African-American standpoint with regard to Juneteenth and the foods and the um, the reason we celebrate this kind of newer holiday here in here in America. Well, and I want to give a little bit of background on it, and I I'm not going to to dig super deep there, but I will give a a couple of suggestions as to where you can find some more information. But Juneteenth is not, as you mentioned, it's not a a, a nationally celebrated holiday, but it is becoming increasingly prevalent for African-American communities to celebrate it or recognize it in some way. And I don't personally know much about what's going on in Cleveland on Juneteenth. Is there, have there been some celebrations in the past, Chef Wells, um, that you're aware of, or is this kind of an emerging thing? Um, I think it's more of an emerging thing. I think anything that was done in the past was kind of on a, on a lower level, but with all the social injustice over the last couple of years, especially last year, um, I think people are a little more aware and a little more focused on um, highlighting, you know, the the atrocities of the past, but celebrating the future, uh, especially with from an African-American standpoint. And, and I want to kind of reiterate that this isn't just a meal for all African-Americans just to come out to. Um, you know, we would love to see a diverse group of people there, you know, and just learning and, and eating. And the way I would love to do it, and, you know, Chef Brandon and I have talked about it, is I would love to have different people sitting together eating, you know, not just one group of people that came together. I would love to have, you know, maybe an African-American family or, or couple sitting with, you know, a, a non-African-American family and talking about, you know, um, racial issues and ways we can get things better and make things better, um, you know, in this city and, and across this world. I think that sounds amazing. And I think that takes uh, an event to an, another level. I mean, you know, we're really good in Cleveland about sitting down to eat ourselves, right? I mean, it's, we're foodies, we're food people. Um, we have so many things to choose from, but I think particularly because of the meaning behind Juneteenth, which briefly it recognizes 
the date commemorating the anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, a full two and a half years after President Lincoln formally freed the enslaved. And it's a holiday in Texas. It's been a holiday in Texas since 1970 because Texas was one of the last or the last state to find out that the slaves had been free. Um, I guess if you can imagine, and I'm actually flying to Dallas on Friday, which is even Mm. my mind's kind of blown that Texas at one point was so remote (laughs) that they didn't get the news, you know, but thankfully they did. So I did not realize, however, that that foods were associated with that celebration until you and I started talking and I was doing some research. So for anyone who's interested in this topic, and I think that everyone really should be, mm-hmm. there are two resources uh, tied to one individual. Uh, are you familiar with the author, Michael Twitty, the chef? I am. I used to sit and talk with him. I'm very very, very, we're, we're friends. I, he's a really good guy. Really I, good. I bought his book, The Cooking Gene, when it came out and anything um, he's, he actually is in the new, the Netflix series, High on the Hog. Mm-hmm. He's so, so knowledgeable and so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he himself is this amalgam of cultures <laughs> and religious beliefs and, and everything else. I mean, he's just so unique. So I have on occasion gone to his website, Afro Culinaria. Mm -hmm. And I've used that a few times, but his book, The Cooking Gene, for anyone that wants to understand African-American food ways Mm -hmm. tied to the South, how we got what we, you know, rice and and other things that really African-Americans attribute to um, the homeland, to Mm -hmm. Africa. It's a fascinating book and he's a great guy to know. So, um, wow, that's pretty cool. Of course you're friends with him. I feel... (laughs) It's like a couple of degrees of separation there, but he was saying, um, and I'm sure you can elaborate that in Africa, there's a symbolism with the color red and that is what has influenced foods around Juneteenth. So tell me a little bit about your perspective on that and what you are serving at Edwin's. Well, the perspective, um, and again, the red is the, is the color for Juneteenth. I didn't base my entire menu around red, but there are some, some aspects of red. So we're doing, again, five courses. The first course, we're doing a roasted tomato and basil bisque, uh, but we're doing it with croutons, and we're going to do pimento cheese croutons with that. You know, some other items that we're going to do here, we're doing a red snapper, a crispy red snapper, so that just kind of ties in the red. Uh, we're going to do some Carolina grits with that and the sauteed collard greens. We're doing mm-hmm. a berry cobbler. Um, and we're going to do a sorghum ice cream with it. So we're going to tie some red in there also. But, you know, when, when you're speaking of Africa and especially Western Africa, the red, black and green uh, is important. Red mm-hmm. represents the blood, the bloodshed, especially in the passage, the middle passage and everything. When we were taken from our from our homeland, um, the green being the land and the black being the color. So the red is important. The blood is important. And again, we do celebrate that in and looking forward to this amazing event um, again in, on June 19th at uh, Edwin's too. Oh, well, and uh, tickets are still available. You can find information on um, the Edwin's website yeah. for that and probably on your site yeah. too, right? You've got some information yeah, there's on there. There's a link to the payment section uh, off of my website, which is skylarays.com. And you can link over there and, and purchase tickets. Again, tickets are $125 a person. And again, it's just going to be a magical night and I'm um, really looking forward to it. I'm sad that I'll be out of town, but I am happy that I'll be on my first vacation in a really long time. So I'll miss that, but I'll have to take advantage of that and go next year. (laughs) Well, let's leave that event behind Mm -hmm. for a moment and talk about 
Some of the other things, as the world opens up again, you're resuming your cooking classes yes. at Cornucopia. Tell me about those. And I, I'd love to know how you got started doing that and why you feel called to do classes um, along those lines. So we'll start with why I started that. Actually, when I graduated from uh, culinary school at a Loretta Paganini, Loretta, uh, Chef Loretta asked me to teach out there. So I taught out there for eight years after I graduated, along with working at Progressive Insurance, along with still doing the intimate dinners for two. So I was still doing all of that. Uh, but teaching out there for eight years really kind of showed me my path. And this community development corporation called Burton Bell and Carr in, in inner city Cleveland received a grant to build a, um, you know, to build this food mecca down on Kinsman because that area is considered a food desert. Uh, so I saw it on the news, reached out to them and asked them, hey, listen, I'm a chef. I'm in the area. I'd love to help you guys get that going. And they said, yes, what's your name? And I said, Eric Wells. And they said, Chef Eric Wells? I was like, uh, yeah. It's like, we know who you are. So um, I, came down, I went down there. We had a great meeting. And they actually had me design the, um, the space where Cornucopia uh, is. So I told them where everything should be. I didn't roll out blueprints or anything, but I told them where everything should be and they built it. And we've been there for nine years now and I've taught classes there. I'm on my 12th season of cooking classes. They're called Cooking with Chef Wells. And what I do is I just have people come down, they sign up uh, through Eventbrite and come down and take classes with me. And we have a lot of fun. Mm. And you get all kinds of people taking classes from that location, Correct. right? Yeah. So it's open to anyone. Yeah. And the way it works here is, like I said, we do classes on Friday evenings. The classes are only $40 a person. Anyone can sign up. It's a different topic and theme every other night, every other Friday night. And the way that I do it here is, say, for example, if there are 16 people in a class, I divide the class into four groups of four, and I make it a contest. So they're cooking against each other. So each group gets a certain portion of the menu to prepare, and they have to plate their dish well. It has to look good. It has to taste good. And then we vote on who has the best dish in the night. We serve it family style. Everyone gets a recipe packet to go home with. So it's a lot of fun. People, uh, I have regulars that literally come out to seven or eight classes per season. So uh, because they, wow. they love it so much. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the new season starts July 7th you know, looking forward to getting this started again. Back in person. Well, you mentioned something before. I wanted to ask you about it. Um, you said uh, you graduated from, um, I call it ICASI, but the International Culinary Arts and Science Sciences Institute in yes. Chesterland in 2004 as the first African-American chef that came through that program. I have two questions for you. One is what made you commit to a program like that? Because you were obviously doing some other things. And the second is what's the significance to you in being the first African-American chef that passed through that program? So it's, it's interesting. The long story, and it's not too long, but the long story is I always loved to cook. Cooked a lot with my mom when I was young. And my mother unfortunately passed away in 2003. And one of the last things she told me before she passed away was to take this gift that I've been blessed with to the next level. So I didn't know what that meant. I prayed on it and was given this vision of going to culinary school. But at the time, I'm married to, I'm still married, but married, children, mortgage, uh, working for, you know, progressive Fortune 500 company. You know, I don't have the time or really the money to go to culinary school. So my family decided to use my mother's insurance money to send me to culinary school. So uh, went to Paganini um, and again, graduated from there. So the significance in that here is, and it's even deeper, the, the ties 
that my family has with the Paganini family. Chef Loretta's husband was my mother's chief surgeon uh, when she was, you know, sick. She had a lung transplant. So we knew about them. They knew about us years before I even went to culinary school. So uh, Chef Loretta has been like my surrogate mom uh, since my mother passed away. And they and the whole entire team out there at Akasi has been supportive of my career and my endeavors. So it's it's all, you know, it's all been cyclical and it's all been um, just kind of going around and, and they've been great. That That's the significance and the tie-in with Akasi. And again, I didn't go out and seek to be the first African-American chef. It, it just happened to be that way. But what I think it has done is open doors for so many other uh, African-Americans to seek, you know, their culinary education, both at Tri-C, but also out at Akasi. Wow, that's a great story. And it's a great story for so many reasons, but I really am fascinated, perhaps because I sense a little bit in myself, but when people decide to pursue something else, right? You're you're going along and, you know, life is pretty comfortable and ordinary. Um, you're in a routine, uh, but, you know, maybe there's this little thing gnawing at you. I just admire when people make that leap and do something different. It takes a lot to do that. Like you said, you're, especially when you're supporting a family or uh, you just feel, you know, you feel tied down to things. And uh, so few of us indulge ourselves and, and realize that, oh, there's this other thing that I do. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll make money at it. Maybe I won't. Um, There's a degree of bravery with that. And I think, and I get the sense for you, you are a spiritual person. You, you consult (laughs) the big guy when you have a decision to make. And um, I love that about you. I think that it shows in the the genuine nature of your personality. You're a very warm and caring individual. And I really, you just see the big picture. I love yeah, that. And, you know, and honestly, Lisa, it wasn't that way all the time. You know, like I said, I was at Progressive, making a good living at Progressive. And, you know, but I didn't feel satisfied. I didn't feel full. And um, what I decided to do in 2012 was to leave Progressive and pretty much do this thing full time. And it was kind of shocking at first, you know, to do that. And, and I kind of struggled, you know, for about a year or so after leaving Progressive. But, you know, I had to keep the faith, I had to continue to trust that, you know, that God gave me this gift for a reason and he wouldn't turn away from me. So things really start picking up in 2013. So I've been pretty much full time doing this for nine years now, but it's, it's going really well. And you know, I, I, again, I just thank God for the um, the gift that he's blessed me with. And I, I love sharing it with other people. For anyone that's thinking about a culinary career, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about, honestly, right now, people from the African-American community, young men, mm-hmm. is it a good career? Is it a, is it a hard career? Is it a, is there opportunity there? And would you, uh, would you, you know, advise or counsel someone to take a look at it? I think that's a great question here, Lisa. I think I think it's a great career to answer the question, first of all. Um, the problem with our career here and our, you know, what we do as chefs, we've become the rock stars. We, you know, this is like the 60s and we're like the Beatles or whatever, you know, and everyone sees us on TV and everyone sees us uh, on social media and things like that. And people, oh, I'm now a chef. I'm going to be a chef now. And unfortunately, it's not that easy. And a lot of people get burned out really fast because they don't see the quick return on what they're doing. So, you know, if anyone's interested in the business, again, it's a great business, but, you know, you're going to have to, you know, cut your teeth with it. You know, you're going to have to uh, grow with it. And, you know, social media and TV kind of makes it seems like it's easier than what it is. 
and it's not. Um, I don't post everything I do on social media. I don't. I post every once in a while, you know, sometimes when I go on vacation and things like that. But I am busy a lot, and I, I just kind of work my way through things. Uh, again, the, the important thing for young chefs, especially uh, young African-American chefs, is, you know, be teachable. The problem with uh, a lot of people that, you know, just a pride issue, you know, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. But be teachable. Sit and learn under, you know, a seasoned, accomplished chef and, and try to just, again, humble yourself and learn as much as you can. Well, that's great advice for all of us when we're venturing into a new area, right? Um, <laughs> the ego, the ego always gets you every time. Chef Wells, I really appreciate you sharing your culinary journey today, all of the exciting things you're doing, your unique brand of cheftivism. I just love that word. I know you use it periodically. And you just really make our community a better place. And I just want to thank you for that. Thanks so much for being on the CLE Foodcast with me. I'm honored, Lisa. Thank you for the kind words. And again, anytime you guys need anything, don't hesitate in reaching out. And I'll be honored to, uh, if I have time, be honored to do it for you. Well, sounds good. And I have to say, I'm definitely going to look at those dinners for two and I'm going to get one of those on the calendar. And uh, trust me when I tell you, uh, anyone who's listening today, go to skylarays.com and take a look at that offering. And I guarantee you will be treated to a very, very special experience. All right. Have a great day, Chef Wells. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Take care. Bye-bye. CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork in the Road Productions, and it sounds great thanks to editing and sound engineering by Bill Connors. CLE Foodcast is supported by Chase the Flavor. Would you like to learn to cook new recipes using professional techniques with personalized instruction from professional chefs? Then you want to Chase the Flavor. Visit chasetheflavor.org for virtual cooking classes featuring some of Northeast Ohio's most popular and well-known chefs and culinary entrepreneurs. Sign up, get an ingredient list to shop, and log on for a fun virtual cooking tutorial. It's easy, fun, and you can do it right in your own kitchen. Learn something new and sit down for a gourmet meal that you made yourself. Come on, let's chase the flavor. Sign up now at chasetheflavor.org. Thank you for being here, and please give us a review on your favorite podcast platform and follow CLE Foodcast on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week, and remember, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.